it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you are listening to this. This is the Often Vaunted Podcast, hosted by me, Burke White, where I am sitting here recording following the Wisconsin just drubbing of Indiana in Madison, making it the 20th straight. Go figure, it's just getting ridiculous. It is. It has the Indiana-Wisconsin series is off the rails and is now truly historic for all the worst reasons. I'll be getting into this game, um, breaking, breaking down just a few of my thoughts on it. Um, just what was just how f- frustrating that game was. I, uh, frustrating is the word to summarize that Indiana showing. And uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll get into the game before uh, getting you into some what little Indiana news there is out there, as well as getting into some of the news around the conference, news around the country of college basketball. Before getting onto the results around the conference for you, um, finding out where we stack up now, where the standings are sitting. Following that, I will get into a preview of the upcoming opponent. That being Illinois, I mean, shouldn't even, this is an absolute gauntlet we are entering. Not, I mean, that we currently find ourselves sitting in. And uh, yeah, Illinois is up next on the docket. So here's hoping that it's going to get better. But I mean, this we have not seen an ability of this team to make any adjustments right now. And uh, this, this this show, who I try to say I'm the most I'm the most ignorantly optimistic guy about Indiana basketball out there. I mean, it is getting damn near impossible right now to find some optimism in what's going on. But yeah, we'll look for some optimism in trying to break down the upcoming opponent in Illinois who just has Terrence Shannon Jr. back now in play. And uh, before getting you out of here with a Hoosier history hit, uh, I cannot thank you enough for tuning in to the Often Daunted podcast. You guys, the growing listenership, I truly appreciate. I cannot thank you enough for giving the show a chance. If you're coming back to it, I can't thank you enough for coming back to it. If you like the show, leave a five-star review. If you hate the show, just don't do anything at all. Don't even think you didn't hear me mention anything. Let's just get into the game now. Indiana marches into Madison and gets their butts whooped 91-79 in a score that would make you think that the game wasn't half as ugly as it truly was. What, what are we genuinely being subjected to here as fans? What is this team? This team has no underlying focus right now, and you can see the bullshit fouls committed by our guys. It gets to a point where we have these three flagrants that we've had over the last three games. Three flagrants in three games. Because there is seemingly an utter lack of accountability and investment in the results from this side, from, from our team right now. It, it, is, it has been a season in which they all look like they have had COVID all season long. Like, I don't know where the heart is. There, there's just nothing under this team right now. There's no singular goal. Why isn't the goal to win the Big Ten? Like, why isn't that such, why can't that be a galvanizing factor and something for all them to just rally around driving towards? This team is struggling so bad to find any will to get up and fight, any investment in the result. It's entirely deflating basketball to watch, and it's entirely deflating basketball to support right now. Sheriff Woody, the sheriff, needs to start laying down a law. Any law. Like, any law. Because it seems like there is no outline for the game planning that Indiana is going into, or if there is, there's just no way to adjust from that game plan, which is definitely a losing game plan right now. There's no outline for expectations from this team, and there's just no outline of accountability. And you, you saw that glaringly in the product that we all watched in that Wisconsin matchup. On the defensive end, Indiana was downright abysmal. I think Wisconsin was getting like above a point and a half in that game, somewhere close, a point and a half per, per possession. You just aren't even going to compete if that's the defense you're going out there with. And it was just, it, 
Yeah, yeah, I'll admit Wisconsin is a hot shooting team. They have a high-powered offense. But 59.6% on the day from the floor, 47.6% from deep, and 86.2% at the free throw line for the Wisconsin Badgers. Indiana's defense was uh, just slow, rotating around. There was always there always seemed to be a third pass option for an open shooter in the on the Wisconsin side. And in that in this game it was definitely Max Klesman who was doing most of that open shooting. Max Klesman 8 for 11 in the game. 5 for 7 from deep. Total of 26 points as well as a yeah, I'll credit him with a baited ejection as well. Indiana was just a step slow. There was one series, there was one play where I think A.J. Storr pump faked where two Hoosiers, I think it was Malik, no, yeah, yeah, the, the, there was a sequence where A.J. Storr pump faked, got both Peyton and Trey just f- clearing their feet, just just flying off into the fifth row. And then despite him standing at the rim, after A.J. Storr had just blown by both those guys who were guarding him, despite him standing at the rim, there was just a zero effort play from Xavier Johnson. And Storr just got to moonwalk the ball down the lane for a layup, just an uncontested layup at the rim. An uncontested layup in their backcourt offense, and that happened just multiple times on the night, and it was just painful to watch that just the defensive effort of this Indiana Hoosier team Friday night. No Kalel as he was out with an ankle injury. Um, it was absolutely a problem for our chances to get away with a win here, um, ending the losing streak where it was at 19, which is just utterly embarrassing. But now, again, we went to 20. God, this game, this team. Yeah, would it would have been nice to have Kalel here, but uh, he, it's not going to make the difference in in whatever is ailing this team right now. It, I I don't know what it's going to take. This team honestly can go ten minute stretches at a time, and the usually to end first halves where it looks like the monsters stole their talent, their will to play. They are looking like Charles Barkley and and Sean Bradley and Patrick Ewing in having their coordination, their everything stole their 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 gusto stolen by the monsters in order to take on Michael Jordan with. Like the, the inability to make changes, anything like that, just adjust what's going on with the team right now. Just what other explanation is there for what is going on right now? Roster construction, sure. But <laughs> shit, this team, man, this team. The Hoosers were just outplayed entirely by a far more disciplined, a far more united Wisconsin team. Wisconsin just wanted to beat the Hoosiers that night. Whatever the Hoosiers wanted, this just doesn't look like a team all striving after the same thing, all on the same page. Doesn't feel like it. And it's stuff like that that fuels Xavier Johnson's prior to flagrance. It's stuff like that that fuels C.J. Gunn in this game. C.J. Gunn with the undisciplined bite on the Max Klesmet bait. The Max Klesmet just chum in the water with him with his slight headbutting um, while marking up on C.J. Or while C.J. was marking up on him. And it's just three flagrant fouls through three games. I, I wish I could sit here and talk about, hey, what was the difference on the boards? What was the difference on in the turnover rate? Which Indiana, in the second half... Kept the ball great. They they secured it offensively. Indiana's offensive second half was just fine. It was good. But these problems are, like, to the constitutional level of this program. Like, the actual psychology of these dudes, something is off right now. Not these dudes, this team. And it is, it, I, I don't, I'm not calling for Woody's job yet. He has to, but, man, Woody, figure it out. Something needs done. Something needs changed. And I said it in the Purdue game like this. This warrants just any change. I just need to see you trying to change something. Go back to the zone if, if these are the scores our man-to-man is going to result in. Just do something. I just need to see efforts are being made in changing the current trajectory of this team. Because nothing, and uh, you just don't see it. You just don't see it in the game. And maybe I'm not the guy to be able to pick it out, but man, it's few and far between because it seems like this team's play style is very lax, very slow rotations that leave over leave open perimeter shooters. And then on the offensive end, it's uh, long twos. It's just long twos. There was, there was a stretch there where I was just like, if they take another long two, and they did it like three possessions in a row. 
Three possessions, and it's not like it's a winding shot clock and they need to take it where they are. This team has never passed up a minus one foot from the three-point line shot that they've never liked. They've taken every single opportunity to just get up and take what is objectively the worst shot selection in basketball. Objectively. One step back and it's worth three points. You're risking it for the biscuit. You're... (laughs) More points, three points. You're, you're you're willing to risk it for three points. One step back, and this team is just, it's honestly, <laughs> they do it so much. There's no way it hasn't been addressed, like, talked about. It hasn't been brought up. Mike just ha- is not finding a way of distilling it into these guys that that is a shit so- shot selection. And it sucks. It's, it's The team is just rudderless for it. Instead of getting to the rim and taking threes, this team will settle for a 17-foot jumper with 15 seconds left in the shot clock consistently and uh starting to feel like a psyop on me personally like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result and this indiana team is on some insane insanity shit right now they're doing the same thing over and over again they're pulling two foul guys with 12 minutes left in the game they're they're taking the long twos they're not rotating quick enough they're not they're not bringing it on the defensive end and by it i just mean anything yeah it's it's getting harder and harder to record these episodes saying the same shit that this Indiana team ain't bringing it, ain't making the changes. Like, nothing is happening. And, man, I'm looking for any source of optimism here. Maybe, yeah, McKenzie and Malik's game here. Yeah, let's let let's, let's talk. Let's, yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit. Just, uh, it, it was genuinely a good showing for both McKenzie and Malik, of course, offensively. Malik renewed with the, with the team's high 28 points, 12 for 21 from the floor, 1 for 2 from deep, and 3 for 4 from the free throws. I appreciate you knocking down those free throws. I'll give Indiana credit on that. Like, honestly, it looks like Indiana took some free throw practice. Indiana shot 17 for 21 from the line in this game, and that is a mile above where we've been over the course of this season. 81%. I will take that every day. Mackenzie and Baco ends the night with 17 points, 4 for 10 from the field on 2 for 5 from deep, as well as going a perfect 7 for 7 from free throws. Yeah, McKenzie's really starting to show off the reasons why he was such a highlighted recruit coming out of high school, why we wanted to get him desperately, and why we should have why we should have been as stoked as we were that we got him. He's continuing to develop, continuing to blossom as a player, and uh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna see the silver lining in his offensive performance here. Credit to Peyton Sparks. Yeah, just while we're going down the Hoosiers that did well, like credit to Peyton Sparks. Seven points in the game, but going a three for, going for three for four from the free throw line. He really came in and uh he gave the effort. Again, some of them were dumb, reckless, reckless plays. That double man pump jump he was involved with with Trey, that was an embarrassing play defensively for the entire team. But I was glad to see Peyton get, uh, yeah, say when, that kid can play recklessly at times, but he does play with heart, and I respect the hell out of him for that. Gabe Cuffs in this game, able to hit down three shots, going three for three on the night. One of those being a three-pointer he took, ending the night with a total of seven points. Glad to see Gabe get the lid off the bucket. Glad to see him see some go down. We're, we we just need him to find any of the offensive production that he can possibly find. Check all the check under every rock you can, Gabe, because we need it. Just grateful that we all got to see some shots fall for him. Wisconsin was just a team of absolute shooters. They have shooters everywhere on the floor. All five positions are gonna can just drop it in the bucket at any point in time. They're shooting from outside. They're taking it to the rim. Taking it to the rim. Speaking of. 25 for 29 from the free throw line for Wisconsin. They look to get to the rim, and they know how to take advantage of it. They shoot the ball well, and that pays off on the free throw line. We all watched it. We all, yeah. It's, they, they legitimately had five guys on the floor at any time who could put it in the bucket, something that the current Indiana roster just isn't set up to do. 
we have our go-to guys, and they are extremely talented. But, man, if we can't find it on the periphery from someone, I, I just don't know what's going to change. <laughs> I, I'm hoping they can just will some change in the offense themselves. But, man, it's 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 tough. That, that's a tough uh, tough task for them, for sure. I really, I, I, yeah, I don't really want to talk about this one too much because it's just been painful Indiana basketball to discuss. This team's been painful to watch. I did say they stepped it up in the second half offensively, and they truly did. 53 points in the second half, like that is, that could potentially be something to build on. I desperately want that to be something this team can build on. But as I search for anything for this team to be able to hang their hats on here in this moment in the season, I just began thinking of how much of that second half was Wisconsin just playing with their dinner. They, they, they absolutely toasted us. We were just done for heading into halftime. And I, I just really hope that that wasn't too much of Wisconsin just giving up or letting up on the defensive end. 20 straight. 20 straight. That's where we are in the Indiana at Wisconsin series. 20 freaking straight games. With that 20 games, this is Indiana's largest away losing streak in the history of the program. The history of the program. This program is just making all the wrong history right now. And uh, I'm getting tired of hearing about all the bad history that this team is making again and again. Last week, worst loss in Assembly Hall. Worst loss in Bloomington since 1934. So if you think about it, that's like the worst losses. The worst loss at the hands of Purdue that Indiana has taken in their prior probably four buildings. The four arenas that they played in prior to right now. Three? I, I forget how many. But following that up immediately with extending that losing streak in Madison to 20 games. This has been one of the hardest weeks of my Hoosier love in life. And... <laughs> uh, it's time to get into Illinois. It's time to get it, get right by beating the number nine Ken Palm team right now. Oh, boy. I'm just so done with this game. I'm so done with this week of basketball for the Hoosiers. Thank Christ we have, I think, like an eight-day break for the Illinois game. They gave us a nice long week to really think about <laughs> what we've been up to last week. Oh, last thing on this. Just when they when they had said on the commentary that X had more flagrant fouls than he had made field goals in the last two games prior. That that that's just such a just such an astounding stat for what is our sixth year captain to have. It's just the undisciplined nature that just is teeming right now in this program. Speaking of, I mean, Woodson was quick to point out the Klesman headbutting when asked about the CJ gun flagrant, but he he downplayed CJ's gun C, CJ's offense. He really did in the post game. Like, yeah, there's one thing to be said in like defending your guys, but he he downplayed CJ's offense by calling it a quote unquote semi elbow. No, he elbowed him in the face. Klesman was getting cute. Klesman was being a little bitch boy with the moves he was making, but that wasn't a semi elbow. He straight up elbow shimmied him, <laughs> and. uh and yeah, him downplaying it to the press afterwards. That 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 hurt my hurt my optimism, hurt my belief that this team can figure it out. That can they can get their priorities straight, get their accountability set, and just start investing themselves in the results of this team. Yeah, that was that was the last of it. <laughs> Good, the bad, and the ugly. The good. We have Mackenzie and Malik's play. Like I said, Malik, 12 for 21, 1 for 2 from deep, 3 for 4 at the line for 28 points on the night with 8 rebounds. McKenzie, 17 points, 4 for 10 from the field, 2 for 5 from deep, 7 for 7 from free throws. Tacking on 4 rebounds as well. And you know what I'm also going to throw in? Yeah, CJ Gunn being able to find the bottom of the bucket. The bad. We're going with Max Klesmet Knight in Madison. That was very unfortunate that it was Max Klesmet Knight in Madison. 5 for 7, he wasn't missing. He wasn't missing. And uh, 
yeah, I, I like to think that, man, it's crazy how we always get these, these guys get so hot and lucky against us. But I'm starting to believe that this is more and more just a result of the defensive effort, the defensive scheming, the defensive whatever that Indiana just doesn't have right right now. And the downright ugly, Indiana's defensive showing. Um, just flagrant fouls. Just Indiana's just un, undisciplined nature. And you can say, well, you don't know what you're talking about. The, the, these guys aren't playing disciplined. Look at it. You can tell. It's, it's, it's not even up for debate. This team is undisciplined right now. Those pump fakes, I have, I have a new viral challenge. It's, uh, it's called the, uh, yeah, this is going around the internet. It's so hot in the streets. It's called the uh, try not to jump at a pump fake once challenge. And uh, this week I'm sending it to all the Indiana Hoosiers there playing in uh, Champaign next Saturday. Just don't, don't jump at a shot once. Why leave your feet? We've only ever gotten beat when we leave our feet. So, yeah, something's got to give in this Hoosier defense because this hasn't been it. The Purdue game hasn't been it. It's tough sledding right now, and something needs addressed. Again, we are the biggest team. Just go zone. Just go zone. We are the biggest team in the country. Like, we are one of the tallest teams in the country. Just go zone. And just hope to God long wingspans can cover the floor better than our guys with their feet. Now it's time for your show, Walter Fish of the Game. The show, Walter Fish of the Game, is obviously Malik Renew. Malik Renew. He seems to really step up when Kalel Ware is out of the game. I'm not going to look into that too deep. Both those guys on the floor is a must in my mind. But great to see Malik was able to... He just continues to put his name out there and show have respectable showings despite everything else that's going on around him. Despite... Yeah, I, I'm just grateful to see him continue week after week to get a little more credibility around this conference. His name is in the mouth of far more, far, far more of our opponents this season. On to that Indiana news for you. I said we had some light Indiana news for you, and I wasn't lying. I only have really just two little lines for you. John Fanta has released the Big Ten midseason power rankings, and he has placed the Indiana Hoosiers at eighth for the time being. We are currently sandwiched between Nebraska at 7 and Ohio State at 9. And I have to ask, like, what, how? Michigan State, number 4 in John Fanta's power rankings. How how do we get the forgiveness that they have? Because this Indiana team, in order to make the tournament, will need a Michigan State's level of forgiveness to get into the tournament. This Michigan State th- team seems to do everything well but win. And, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I just cannot believe where they are constantly being forgiven by the national media, by everyone out there discussing college basketball right now. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm the crazy one. Maybe I'm the crazy one, but I just don't see it. And lastly, after the Wisconsin game, Indiana's moved to 96 overall in Ken Palm. That is in an adju- adjusted offensive efficiency, currently ranked at 110, and an adjusted defensive efficiency, currently ranked at 87. Without a commitment, without any recruiting news, no news is always good news in a college basketball program, so... Grateful for the two-line two line episode we got today. Let's get on to the national news. Congratulations to Coach Tom Izzo, speaking of Michigan State, for grabbing his 500th career conference win this week in this his 28th season as Michigan State's head coach. Tom Izzo sat with the media to discuss his future. He claimed he has no intention to step back right now, But when the time comes, Izzo said that his retirement will be more like Nick Saban than Coach K. No grand Izzo farewell tour. That's so brave of him not to go the Coach K route. Jeez. (laughs) Oh, that. I I will forever be grateful that Coach K did that just because of the manner in which it ended. 
losing the final game against your rival of the regular season and then losing against that same rival in the final four. It was just such a storybook ending, if you ask me. <laughs> oh, After falling to Michigan 73-65 to on Monday, Ohio State's Chris Holtman came out to the media with a message trying to reassure the Buckeyes. This ain't the same, now characteristic January downfall of Ohio State basketball that we've seen season in and season out. Chris Holtman said, listen, you guys will see it. You guys obviously can write about a three-game losing streak right now, but our story is far from over. You'll see what this group can do. You'll see what this group can turn into. Not many people are going to feel that right now, but I certainly do. I know our staff does, and I know a lot of the guys in the locker room do too. In other news, the U.S. Department of Justice announced Thursday in a press release. Today, the Justice Department joined 10 states and the District of Columbia in a civil antitrust lawsuit challenging the National Collegiate Athletic Association's transfer eligibility rule. The amended complaint alleges that the NCAA unreasonably restricts college athletes' freedom to transfer between academic institutions by limiting their eligibility to participate in intercollegiate contests if they transfer more than once during their college careers. By deterring transfers, the rule also denies athletes educational opportunities. Last month, the states of Ohio, Colorado, Illinois, New York, North Carolina, Tennessee, and West Virginia filed this lawsuit in the Northern District of West Virginia. Shortly after the filing, the court granted the state's request for a temporary restraining order, finding the NCAA's transfer eligibility rule likely violates Section 1 of the Sherman Act. Today, plaintiffs filed an amended complaint adding the United States, the states of Minnesota, Mississippi, and Virginia, and the District of Columbia as co-plaintiffs. We are proud to stand with our state law enforcement partners on behalf of college athletes across the nation, says said Assistant Attorney General and Jonathan Cantor of the Justice Department's Antitrust Division. NCAA Division I institutions compete with each other, not just on the playing field or in the arena, but to recruit and retain college athletes. College athletes should be able to freely choose the institutions that best meet their academic, personal, and professional development needs without anti-competitive restrictions that limit their mobility by sacrificing a year of athletic competition. The amended complaint alleges that the NCAA's one-time transfer rule unreasonably restrains competition in the markets for athletic services and men's and women's Division I basketball and football bowl subdivision, FBS football, as well as for athletic services in all other men's and women's Division I sports. The rule forces college athletes who transfer more than once to sit on the sideline for an entire season before they are eligible to compete in NCAA athletic competitions at their new school. The amended complaint further alleges that the restriction limits college athletes' bargaining power and harms both educational and athletic experiences. So, yeah, the United States government is getting in on on suing the NCAA to get rid of the second-time transfer sit rule. I would offer an opinion on it, but I really don't know how I feel about it because, you see, I I believe those athletes should be able to go to the situation that best best suits them. Now, if their best suited insta- their best suited situation is uh calling for an auction at the end of every season and seeing what the best bid out there is, that that doesn't seem healthy for the state of collegiate sports. Just seems like that's a slippery slope. I mean, we're pretty much to that point, but it seems if we don't get a cap on that, then uh things could get pretty crazy in college athletics, even more crazy than they currently are, I guess. Other news around the conference for the Big Ten, the account at Fearless for Mine has been deleted from X. And if you don't know what that means, it most likely means that Dre Gibbs Lawhorn has pleaded with his mom enough to not kneecap his future prospects of transferring out of Illinois. After not being able to crack into Brad Underwood's rotation, Dre Gibbs Lawhorn's mother has been ripping the team, hoping that her son's trans- hoping that her son transfers, and that the Illini lose as long as he isn't playing. This is a now now. This is the mother of a freshman that was ranked number 108 on Rivals. 
And his mom's demanding he play like this guy is freshman year R.J. Barrett or something. In most competitive programs, the number 108 recruit usually comes in understanding it may take some adjustment and acclimation to the college game. But Dre Gibbs, Lawhorn's mom, just isn't having it. And uh, I was grateful to see that the account was down because that just means, hey, that he doesn't need the smoke that his mom generates. Just adding so much noise to everything going on around him. He's a freshman in the Big Ten. There's already enough on his plate. Glad to see that his mom isn't adding to it. Per Jeremy Verner, Thursday afternoon, Justin, federal court, federal judge Colleen Lawless, weird name for a federal judge, has ruled that that Illini Terrence Shannon Jr.'s motion for a preliminary injunction has been granted, which should free him to play immediately. Awaiting comment from the athletic department and the university. And uh, yeah, after this this came after last episode, I had talked about Terrence Shannon Jr. suing for the right to play. Then we heard, uh, yeah, per Jeremy Verner Thursday afternoon, that he that the court has ruled that he can. We saw on Sunday him checking back into Big Ten play at the 1736 mark in the first half of the Illinois hosting of Rutgers. And by every measure, it looks like we are going to be taking on Terrence Shannon Jr. My my opinion on playing Terrence Shannon Jr. is if if he did it and uh. Innocent until proven guilty is also my my mindset. But if he did it, this whole the standing ovation he received, everything just seems is so gross. Like th- this could potentially look very poor in retrospect for all Illini fans, if you ask me. And uh, if it isn't true, and this chick just made this shit up, that's the kind of stuff that I think we should reinstitute the stocks for. Like I think that person deserves like a week sitting in the town square, being chained for lying about shit like that. Just yeah. Can't really have an opinion on it yet because the facts aren't all out for us. So as they come out, I'll fill you in. Let's get on to some of the results around the conference. Wednesday, Rutgers shocked the conference by hosting and beating Nebraska, 87-82 in overtime. Bryce Williams and Kasai Tomanaga each go for 4-8 for eight from three-point range, but it's still not enough to overcome the Scarlet Knights, with Clifford Omarui posting 14 points and grabbing 14 rebounds, championing the Rutgers effort here. Following their big win in Illinois, Maryland went into Evanston and fell to Northwestern to a score of 69-72. Boo Bowie leading the way for the Wildcats with 20 points, 7 assists on the day. Boo Bowie scores 20, including the decisive final bucket, while Jameer Young posts 36 points in the Terps' loss. Tyson Walker scored 12 of his 21 points on the night, all in the final four minutes of the Michigan State-Minnesota game in East Lansing. Izzo has moved to two wins from his 700th career win, while also claiming his 500th career conference win in this one. Sparty was able to pull out the win in the end, pulling away to a 76-66 score. Next opponent on our docket, Illinois went into Ann Arbor Thursday night, and even without Terrence Shannon Jr., the Illini beat the Wolverines 88-73. Five Illini in double digits as possibly the most well-balanced team in the conference handles their business in hostile territory. Ohio State hosted and beat Penn State 79-67 in Columbus. Evan Mahaffey and Roddy Gale led the way for the Buckeyes with 16 points apiece. Felix Akpara with a game-high 14 rebounds, really making his difference on the boards. Zach Eady with his 11th career double-double on the season. This one, 30 points and 18 rebounds, as Purdue takes down the Hawkeyes in Iowa, 84-70 on Saturday. Boo Booey's 2-for-15 night with a total of 9 points was nearly enough to get the win, but Northwestern ultimately fell short in Nebraska Saturday, 69-75. Josh Alec, with the start following Juwan Carey's injury last week, led the way for Nebraska, who had 5 Huskers in double digits. Sunday, the Spartans rolled into Maryland and beat the Terps 61 to 59. Tyson Walker with 15 points as Tyson Walker with 15 points here as Trey Holloman, AJ Hogard, and Malik Hall each added 12. In his return to play in Champaign, Terrence Shannon Jr. had 16 points and four assists in his 28 minutes off the bench as Illinois beat Rutgers 86 to 63. Clifford Omarui with 22 points and nine rebounds as Rutgers falls to the Illini. 
with those results out of the way, let's get on to a message for our partners, Big Banter Sports. Then I'll get you into a preview of the upcoming opponent, that being Illinois, as well as your Hoosier history hit, and then we'll get you on out of here. Thank you so much for listening to the Often Daunted podcast. If you haven't followed me on socials, it is everywhere at Often Daunted. You can follow me there, interact with me there. Tell me what you like about the show. Tell me what you don't like, what I can do better. Thank you so much for listening. I take all of your advice into consideration, and I appreciate the hell out of it. If you haven't, go ahead and follow my partners at Big Banter Sports. Just a collection of podcasts covering the Big Ten for you. Um, our main account, the at Big Banter Sports, really uh, throws out some cool stats, some uh, interesting takes from time to time, and just just a good follow. Go, Just a good follow. Go check them out. Thank you. All right, let's preview it. Let's preview it. Let's talk about Illinois. Welcome to the third leg of Indiana's most gauntlet-esque stretch of games on the schedule. Indiana heading in to take on our quote-unquote rivals, Illinois. Now, what is different about this matchup than the last two? Yes, it's against one of the best three teams in the conference, that being the, the current route we're on, Purdue, Wisconsin, then Illinois. But what is different about this matchup than the prior two is they aren't coming off a loss. They are coming off a game in which Terrence Shannon Jr. had his return, and the Illini absolutely demolished Rutgers. Um, the vibes should be as high as they, they, they've they been in a while. He's back on the squad, and everyone in that arena seemed to be over the moon that he is. But coming off of that just lopsided victory over Rutgers, I, I like Indiana's chances a lot more than if they were to come off a loss like our prior two opponents. Purdue and Wisconsin both coming off a loss, both absolutely booked to make an example of Indiana, and both absolutely did just that. So I, I was grateful to see that Illinois pulled out the victory over Rutgers. This 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 game, we're heading to Saturday. Uh, it's quite the break on our hands for the Hoosiers, um, as we get a full week to just sit and sulk and mull over the last two showings that this team has had. This one ain't happen. Like I said, this one ain't happening until Saturday. So if there is a time for Woody to install some different tactics to either play style or the game management and, distri- and minute distribution of this team, like this may be the week to do it. This may be the week for him to do just that. Install some changes. Have a few different looks. This Illinois team has really shown some re- resiliency in the wake of the start of this whole Terrence Shannon Jr. charge saga. Despite missing their star player, they have continued to persevere and put up some very strong results with Marcus Damask just stepping into the alpha role of the team left in TSJ's absence and with him coming back like knowing that you have Marcus still available if anything were to happen that, that's got to put a lot of Illinois fans at ease knowing that they can fall back to Marcus Domask. Illinois is currently sitting at number three in the Big Ten with that five and two record in conference with a record of 14 and four overall in Ken Palm they are currently sitting at the number nine overall position with the adjusted offensive efficiency ranking of eighth and the defensive adjusted efficiency ranking of 27th. They are exceptionally well-balanced on both sides of the floor. Currently, they are averaging 82.1 points per game compared to Indiana's 74.2. Defensively, they are giving up 67.8 points per game compared to Indiana's 74.3. All of this meaning the average margin of victory for Illinois currently sits at 14.3 points, while Indiana's is currently sitting at a conference-worst 0.6 points. And like I said before, their ability to continue on reliably with the absence of a potential All-American guy it was largely a credit to Marcus Domask. Marcus Domask is lighting it up all over the floor since reconvening Big Ten play. Over their last five, Domask has posted 32 points on Northwestern, 26 points on Purdue, 15 on Michigan State, 26 on Maryland, and 15 on Michigan. The fifth-year transfer has taken no time in taking the reins left by Terrence Shannon and taking them reliably after four seasons at Southern Illinois. In those four seasons, he definitely left his mark on the Missouri Valley Conference as he was selected to the All-MVC team 
in three different seasons, while also ranking in the SIU top 10 in, in five different career categories. He is the ninth Saluki in scoring with 1,615 points, the sixth in free throw shooting at 84.3%, eighth in free throws with 332 made, eighth in three-pointers with 165 made, and eighth in assists with 356. Marcus Domask is just the second player in Saluki history to score 1,600 points and have 500 rebounds and 300 assists. And his play has just continued on from his time there. He has been doing well to manage the games that he has been asked to manage, and the Illini are better for it. They, they, the fact that they have this now, and they don't even have to use it as much as they could now that TSJ's back is, is bananas how well Marcus was able to fill that role. In his time, while he, while he was alleviating Terrence Shannon Jr.'s absence, we really got to see Marcus Domas' ball handling and his, his distribution capabilities increase and take a spike, just, just being able to answer the call with everything he's been called to do. He is currently averaging 3.2 assists as he is leading all Illini players at this time in distribution. Expect the 6-6 ball handler to give the Hoosier defense fits, especially if Trey Galloway isn't locked into what the Hoosiers are looking to do on the defensive end of the floor consistently. And I just say Trey because he'll be marking him. It's Mike's job to find an answer to this Illini offense to find a defensive set that will work for the Indiana Hoosiers right now. On to Quincy Garrier. Quincy Garrier is a super senior transfer who started his college career at Syracuse before transferring to Oregon after two seasons and then transferring again to Illinois after two seasons with the Ducks. He owned career averages of 9.8 points, 5.8 rebounds, over 131 games, totaling 1,280 points and 756 boards during his four years prior to this season. What he has brought to Illinois this season is a combo guard with NBA size. He isn't the most reliable shooter from deep, but still keeps the defense honest and on him with 29.3% uh, from deep. Quincy Garrier is also an exceptional board grabber, where even when even from his spot in the backcourt, he averages 7.7 .7 rebounds a game. This guy finds himself in the right position consistently. That 7.7 .7 rebounds a game, that is the most currently on the Illinois roster. Coleman Hawkins, in my mind at least, is one of the most bipolar split guys you will see out there. Um, after going 2 for 6 for 8 points against Maryland, he followed it up with a 6 for 10, 21 point double-double against Michigan. If, Coleman, if this is a Coleman Hawkins game and he's on, it's just there's very little that any team can do. When, when he's on, he's on, but when he's off, he's off. <laughs> it's, it's, like I said, he's the most bipolar split guy there is out there, if you ask me. Lastly, when previewing this Illini side, I wanted to bring up Terrence Shannon Jr., Terrence Shannon Jr., just an absolutely pure wing whose passing and distributive abilities has served Illinois in the role of primary ball handler for just all of his time here since transferring from Texas Tech. His size just poses so many issues for defenders who are used to having to man up on a smaller ball handler. And just his motor. His motor, it's hardly matched out there. And it's going to be a tough ask for this Hoosier backcourt right now who uh, who just seems a step slow when reacting to the to the opposing offenses right now. Do I think he should be playing right now? Um, again, you don't know the details. You don't know the details. Well, I don't know, at least. So I don't feel uh, fair passing judgment on him. What I can say is, again, how, how it looked with the standing O in Champaign during that Rutgers game. In retrospect, that could look very terrible if these charges stand true. Yeah, just a, just a, just a icky situation all around. What am I expecting for the Hoosiers? I'm expecting something different, just anything different. Let me be able to have something happen on this team, something this team is doing. That I can say, hey, they talked about something from the game before. They addressed, they saw a problem, and they're at least workshopping ways to solve it. That's all I'm asking. Right now, I'm just asking to see that the current staff can do that. That the current staff is able to make adjustments through over the course of the season, as every great team should. If you want to win a national championship, you start as a good team, 
and you progress to an elite team. You, you start the season as a good team, and you progress over the course of the season, making adjustments, making uh, shifting game plans based on uh, just what your personnel's been giving you, based on the opposition, what the opposition has given you. And over the course of the season, you can become a truly elite team. But right now, just Indiana has not shown an ability to make those adjustments. Please, God, let me see some adjustments being made, some questions and discipline being addressed, anything. I just want to see that moves are being made, efforts are being taken to fix what is going on with this team right now. This is easily the lowest I've felt about Indiana's chances in Illinois, but this is also just a crazy Big Ten season where every game is up for grabs and teams are getting upset all the time. Here's hoping that the Hoosiers can pull out the upset and this would be our pretty much only genuinely good win on the resume right now, and we desperately need it if we want to have any shot at even complaining if we were not to make the tournament. If we want to be able to complain about being left out of the tournament, being left in the wings, we need to win this game. If we if we leave this game on if we leave this game on the table and we do not get it, there are just fewer and fewer opportunities for the Hoosiers to get any win worth a damn and uh being able to acquire any leg to stand on when that field's being set. So God bless it. Let's hope to God the Hoosiers can figure it out. Let's get on to a Hoosier history hit. This is your Hoosier history hit. For your Hoosier history hit today, I am just going to say, hey, happy birthday, Indiana University. The Indiana Seminary was founded by the Indiana General Assembly on January 20th, 1820. If you're listening to this on Monday, that was two days ago, uh, was the birthday. During that first year, Indiana University just had one teacher who taught ancient Greek and Latin. Following eight years of just ancient Greek and Latin, had to be just invigorating stuff. The Indiana Seminary expanded its curriculum and became the Indiana College in 1828 until it graduated and became a university in 1838. Just a very, very quick hit for you. Just wanted to say, hey, Indiana University, happy 204th. God, we love you so much. We love you so much. We will watch the basketball that this team is currently playing. God, we love you. All right, thank you so much for listening to the Often Daunted Podcast. I cannot appreciate it enough. If you do like the show, please feel free to subscribe and reach out to me on any of those socials at Often Daunted. Let me know what I'm doing well, what I'm doing, what I'm doing well, what I could be doing better. Thank you so much for any of the input you guys give me. You and yours have a blessed week. We have a full week to recover from these last two beatings we got. Hopefully this team can find their footing and we can put up a good fight in Champaign. God bless you and yours. You take it easy, Hoosier fans. Lux at Veritas. Down with the Illini. Go Hoosiers.